We are Wrestling Elitists. I am your host, Alex Gibson, alongside Sean Nash and Chris Moore. What's going on, fellas? Hello, hello. Hello, live in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Yes, Chris is joining us remotely, uh, and we're doing the Freebird Rule tonight. I am hosting, even though he uh, he did it last week. Uh, feeling a little bit nervous, but excited about it as well. So if this is your first time listening to us, welcome to the show. If you're listening to us for the second week, as this is our second episode, welcome back. Uh, we received a lot of great feedback from the last episode. I think we actually had a pretty uh, impressive amount of uh, listeners um, to the point where I think we we're all pleasantly surprised and yeah. all the feedback's been great from both the podcast and the website. Uh, so I just want to thank everybody who's been supporting us and hopefully you pass this on to a friend, tell a friend to tell a friend. Before we get into this, though, please make sure you're checking out our website, wrestlingleadus.com for our weekly star ratings, uh, match reviews, as well as just straight up random columns. Uh, this past week, we published my first column about pretty much the first time I really remember watching wrestling as well as Chris's first Hell in a Cell review. So definitely be sure to check that out. Um, but going into the show, what's this show going to be? Same as last week. We all watched the show separately this week and uh, came up with our match of the week, our moment of the week, our news item of the week, our cringeworthy moment of the week, and then kind of what it is that we're looking forward to as we look into the next week or even kind of upcoming uh, beyond that. So without further ado, I'd love to, uh, first of all, just hear, how did you guys like the shows this week? Did you have any any real feelings about just the quality overall? To me, it kind of felt like a little laxed of a week. I don't know. I it kind of struggled yeah. to to find my match of the week or find what I was really looking forward to. Not looking forward to, I should say, the moment that I had just kind of just was dull for me. But I also caught up a little late, was on vacation over the weekend, so didn't get to catch these live in the moment. Yeah, and I think they also had the same feeling as the last Saturday show they did where you could tell this wasn't their best effort, perhaps. And there are a few contenders for a cringe moment of the week for me, but I definitely have one that I'll get into later. Uh, but I also felt like, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get their, they'll get everything moving again once they go back on Wednesday. Um, we're in the, we're in the push towards full gear. So it's going to be exciting to see how they wrap things up. Yeah. I would say it was a bit of a weird week for us in terms of there wasn't anything that was amazing, but I still thought it was a pretty quality week with wrestling. Um, I, I agree with Sean though. There wasn't anything that was a standout for me from a match of the week perspective. Um, in fact, you know, I think that uh, Chris and I had the same match of the week, it looks like. So why don't we go right into that, Chris? Uh, you tell the tell the people what your match of the week was. Yes, people. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I actually really love this match with uh, Brian Danielson going over Dustin uh, Rhodes. I thought it was a fantastic match, and it told a classic wrestling archetype and story of grizzled old veteran who has nothing left in the tank but just has enough hope that he can get the title that eluded him. And being that it's a tournament, he can get a deep enough run that will give him a title shot at maybe the TNT title or another world title shot, uh, provided he gets past this first obstacle. And uh, Brian Danielson was just fantastic in this too. His facials were so on point, very aggressive. And Dustin played the part well of a guy who doesn't have enough left in the tank and is still struggling to keep up. The announcers did a fantastic job of foreshadowing that and telling that story. And you can see a big difference between their announcing here than their announcing of the carry no relation Hogan 
match last week where they just didn't give a fuck and were just making jokes <laughs> to each other the whole time. You get the sense that JR and Tony really do care about Dustin and are so happy for him. And they did a fantastic job of telling that story, especially in, it was at the very beginning of the match, they did a spot where Dustin did an arm drag and he was a little bit slow to get up and it was purposeful. He was slow to get up. It wasn't like he botched something and it did set the stage for um, him to seem like he didn't have it anymore, uh, that he was still the old vet. And then they went into high gear after Dustin hit that scoop power slam inverted DDT for um, a false finish that really suckered the fans in. And they didn't have to do a lot of, false finishes they were just simple ones on slams and ddts but the fans got sucked in and i thought that was one of the most underrated matches in aew history i gave that four stars i fucking loved it i thought it was a fantastic match yeah and i would i would pretty much echo what you had to say there and so i'm, I'm not going to repeat kind of those same things but what i want to say is just first of all i'm pretty sure that this match of the week is eventually just going to be called the daniel bryan or daniel bryanson <laughs> the the brian danielson match of the week Uh, he's just been great since he's come over Uh, but then beyond that i think that dustin rhodes has been one of the most surprising people for me since AEW really started i wasn't excited when they announced him versus cody originally back at the original double or nothing and he's been every time he actually is in a match i love it um, it's just, I was so used to gold dust, which I thought it was a good character at all, but he wasn't like this great bout machine that he really has become nowadays. And, um, it just, anytime he does something, I'm almost, I shouldn't be surprised anymore because it's always good, but every single time it's better than I expect. When he's on, he's on that moment where he goes, come on, motherfucker. After he's getting kicked in the chest, there's an intensity that he has that Cody doesn't have. Like just totally real and authentic and the fans totally bought into it and made it a real moment. And I got sucked in from there on out and I was like, Oh shit, this is amazing. (laughs) And he even hit like that really good pile driver was sloppy, but it looked real and authentic. And I think that's why Dustin translates so well to fans and you can buy into him, even though, you know, he's never going to win, but he feels authentic and real because there's so much heart and passion and emotion in what he does. And then Daniel Sin is just Daniel Sin. He has that intense look that harkens back to his Ring of Honor days. And he just has a new intensity uh, that you also saw later on in that um, segment with uh, Eddie Kingston when they were backstage. There's just a real raw anger to him, but it's not off-putting. So great style clash, uh, especially in the discrepancy in size. Like you forget how big Dustin is. He's fucking huge compared to Brian Danielson, but it still looked real and it felt great. So I love that match. Again, I gave it four stars. I thought it was an underrated gem that I hope people will stumble upon. Absolutely. Sean, what were your thoughts on the match? Um, I didn't like it as much as you guys, truly. I, <laughs> I, it took me back to thinking last week we see Daniel Bryan get pulled to the limit with Minoru Suzuki. And then this week, he's still kind of having the same trouble, t- almost getting gassed out by another old man to a much lower level than Suzuki. So is it taking Bryan down? Is it taking Suzuki down? I don't know, but just wasn't my favorite. I mean, anything with Daniel oh, Brian Danielson is great, but just not my cup of tea this week. 
How can we call? How how can we be called wrestling elitists if we can't get his fucking name right? I mean, come on. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're sloppy. We're sloppy. <laughs> it's episode two. It's okay. Who cares? Uh, as far as far as that goes, real quick though, I think that part of what made it good was everybody went into that match knowing that they weren't going to have Dustin upset him. But like Chris said, there was that false finish where you're like, wait, is are they going to do it? Like they did a good job of kind of tricking you for that moment to think like. Would they actually do this? Yeah, and and because there's always, every time there's a a tournament, I mean, we haven't seen it too much in AEW yet just because they haven't had too many tournaments, but like you always have those people that you're like, why are they in the tournament and not, you know, X, Y, or Z? And I think that he did a good job of being that person that had to be there to lose, but put on a really good match. For sure, yeah, and there's always a Cinderella story in a tournament, so we're always hoping for the George Mason. Exactly. What did you have for match of the week, Sean? Match of the week for me was uh, the Pac versus Andrade two match. Um, strictly for in ring work, spots, everything. It was from just from the jump, nonstop action of aerial assaults and brutality from Pac and Andrade. When Pac avoided the uh he avoided a turnbuckle irish whip and then flies over andrade still hits him with the boot to the head just their chemistry is almost unmatched especially this week um from what what you saw i had to give it three stars just because the ending kind of turned me off a little bit but throughout the match they continue to perform great spots um Pac hitting the hurricanrana that throws andrade into a, a miscellaneous chair sitting there and just Boom, you keep sell the lower back, sell the lower back. Um, we go, we harken back to Eddie, we throw the three amigos in there. Yeah. And um Andrade hit what was a fantastic move to me, which I always love when we incorporate the hardest part of the ring, the the apron. He throws, he leaps over and hits Pac with a uh like DDT, and they both just slide dead down to the ground. Just fantastic. Um, like I was saying, the ending kind of hurt me just because it kind of looked like we're getting to that um roll up win roll up win oh someone finally gets it but then we still had four minutes left in the show and we fill it with this weirdness of malachi black showing up and getting involved just it made no sense it 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 took back to when andrade in the beginning is talking about he's got friends all over the world but this was a match that we we talked about not having any outside interference. So it's kind of like those people shouldn't matter. We, we took them away, but overall the in-ring in-ring work made this my match of the week. Yeah. And I would agree. That was actually what kind of kept it. I gave it a three star rating as well for the same reason for the ending. And then kind of what happened afterwards, it was a great match. And I'm hoping that we, this means we're getting them at full gear for that final match. Uh, because we we deserve to get a, a live match of theirs since the last two have been taped, and really we deserve to kind of have that that true final finish. Uh, Andrade's been great so far in everything he's done with AEW from a in ring standpoint. I mean, the first match with Seidel was okay, but everything we've seen from him since really has been good. And I'm just really excited to. I think I talked about it last week, just to see him get let loose and really wrestle people because there are few people that can truly wrestle like him. He w- works at such a fast and physical pace that it kind of sometimes doesn't make sense that he can be as good as he is at times. So definitely looking forward to it, but I feel like that, that ending soured it for me as well. 
Yeah, and I think the two of them are such great dancing partners. They're both very similar in that they have such uh, amazing intensity, and they do bring out the best in their opponents. Pac would be great if we saw him consistently every week. I think his fan base would grow, and he would have so much more support if we consistently saw him week after week. But you've had him in start and stop, not booking-wise, but just his appearances. And with COVID and all this shit going on, we didn't get to see him consistently. So I think fans will really take to him when they get to see him on a regular basis because he is so smooth and so polished, and he does have an interesting look. And Andrade is really coming out of his shell and getting more comfortable in AEW. And I think that match at full gear, if they do do it and not do a tag match, uh, that would be fantastic. We just need to hope that Charlotte Flair, he doesn't transfer over to AEW's. <laughs> yeah, room. That could be bad. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I definitely think that we're going to see, more and more of Hawk, hopefully, as things open up. Because I think that's pro- probably been part of the problem has been he goes back to the UK. Uh, and so he that's why he'll do like two weeks on, two weeks off. So hopefully as things open up, I think this next month, uh, the UK is fully opening up back travel to the US. Yeah. So I'm really hopeful that we could see him and see him get like a TNT title run. Yeah, his oh, storylines yeah. really do suffer when you have to short stop, quick stop, just... Two weeks of a storyline is not going to work. You need to really draw this out if we're going to have four pay-per-views in a year. And you want fans to get behind him too, and you don't want them to think that there's something up with him because I think he did probably get some undue heat by not being able to wrestle Andrade in the last pay-per-view that they had. So, um, yeah, I definitely want to see him be consistently on TV. So if he is a face, fans react to him accordingly. Definitely. Good, good, guys. Well, it looks like we've got another uh, air of consistency here when it comes to moment of the week. This time it's Sean and Chris that have the same uh, moment. You guys want to go go into what you've got? Sean, I'll let you take the lead. Perfect, perfect. Yes, uh, this week, um, and it's probably going to be a lot of weeks if he's got a promo on TV, it's Moxley's promo. Um, we hear him talk about his family, his daughter pulling at his little broken ring of course it's mox you're talking about family but he's also talking about his breaking body that we see um but in this uh, promo he sounded much less unstable than he has in the past and more unhinged with a man who has nothing to lose other than the love of this little baby and his wife at home um and I think that's kind of some of the storylines that we see best with Moxley is when his back's up against the wall. He's got to be a rabid dog to fight out from from hell. And um, he says he's got no friends left anymore, but we know that he's got a friend on the other side who's about to be in a semifinal match. And it just makes you wonder, will there be involvement in the Brian Kingston match? Or is there going to be some kind of like backstage heat with that or feud with them? We'll see. And I'm truly excited to see it yeah i was gonna ask you if you thought this was leading to a heel turn it's got to like yeah. it, i think and i i want to talk later about what i'm anticipating with that match on the other side um i think the same thing with kingston we are gonna see these two guys really heal it up soon yeah and we'll we'll talk about fantasy booking of what they could do with them in a moment but i love the <laughs> promo itself because mox sometimes will have a lackadaisical and different style, but in an endearing way um, where he doesn't start off. Let me tell you something, brother. And it's this crazy rant. Uh, he's able to be controlled and almost do a Jake Roberts or a Raven style yes. promo. 
Um, and it's unique and different and it shows, it allows him to speak slow enough where you get to understand his backstory and his why and his motivation. And I felt this was segueing into him having a similar, similar, uh, similar style as Kevin Owens when he first debuted on NXT of like the prize fighter or like a Brock mm-hmm. Lesnar where I don't have any friends. I'm just doing this for the money. And that allows him to be ruthless because he needs to have a motivation to be a heel. And that will take him over the edge and make him more of legit as a heel. If he has a true reason to be a bad guy, um, having a motivation makes a story greater and it gives substance to it. So I hope that's where they're going with it because it sounds amazing so far that that promo was uh, very special. It was really good. And I think that one thing that's really exciting about it is we've been kind of hearing these promos for a little bit of time now where it sounds like we're getting to the point of a heel mocks. And it's just, it's kind of refreshing almost to see that foreshadowing uh, prior to it happening rather than just turning him heel at a random time where it's like, why was he pretending to be that guy's friend for so long? And he now he's hitting him in the back with a chair type of a thing. It's, <laughs> that wasn't actually meant to be a, a shield shot, but I, I'll take it. <laughs> I just think that it, it's nice to see kind of these seeds planted as long as they're actually going to follow through with it. It's the same thing that we're seeing with with Cody right now where we're, they keep showing it like he's got to turn heel. He's got to turn heel. Like I thought he was going to turn heel the other day when he looked like he was going to hit the pedigree at the end of that Malachi Black match. <laughs> I thought like I, I thought he was going to hit the pedigree, flick the fans off and, you know, hit him with a suck it. And uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. But if you tell us the story that it's going to happen and then it happens, it's, it's very satisfying as a fan to see, like, you kind of see the gun and then you know that it's going to be shot later type of a thing. Definitely, definitely. And it helps really sell you on a match that you're in a tournament that's kind of like the lesser of them all. It's it's Moxley versus 10. It's not, we're not expecting too much from 10 here. It's, it's Moxley we're talking about, but we're now amped to go see him kick his ass absolutely and uh so my moment of the week this week was uh mjf getting wardlow his accountability buddy (laughs) i i love right now mjf is i'll I'll go on record and i'll say it he is my favorite professional wrestler currently um he's just he's perfect he's he does such a good job of meshing being a shitty heel with comedy a lot of times, you know, comedy and wrestling, like you can't really truly be a threat. It seems like when you have like that little aspect to it, but he's just so funny at times. Uh, the way that he's treated Wardlow really since the beginning of their relationship has been pretty fun to watch. Like, you know that this is going to be a Batista level turn at some point when he left Evolution. And I think everybody's kind of itching for it and waiting for that moment to happen. But I'm, and I am, but I'm also like, don't do it yet because I just want it to burn even more and like a little bit slower and a little bit slower. Everything we've seen from Wardlow so far has been really good. In my opinion, I don't watch him too much on dark, but just in terms of when he has had the spotlight, it's been pretty good. And I think working with somebody like MJF as your first feud will be really good. So um, I just, I loved that whole segment. And uh, I think Sean Spears is really finding his groove even in the pinnacle that was my moment of the week. I actually expected, I was surprised when I, when we sent over our moment of the week that I was the only one who chose that. No, it was a close second for me. I mean, I loved his promo that he did first where he made a Lex Luger reference and the crowd knew it was coming and just went nuts when they heard it. 
And I also enjoyed that Sean Spears is his accountability buddy when I think Sean Spears sucks too. And he also doesn't care about Sean Spears as well. You just got the sense that it's like, all right, you two work with each other. And just that uh, Sean Spears' delivery of like, hey, buddy. <laughs> the fear in his eyes when he's like, oh, shit, like I, this is going to come down on me. Just it was good. It was good for sure. I think I think one of the interesting things about the pinnacle has been they've really never seemed like they care about each other. No, since since Money day one, old. this has seemed like, yeah, it's just seemed like people that all have selfish reasons to be partnered up together. And I think that's kind of a funny version of a faction, considering usually like there's at least some point where they all seem like friends. No, and it allows you to do an arc and do something different. And it gives you opportunities for storylines and conflicts when no one likes each other and no one trusts each other. Um, it's fun. And it allows someone to become a face out of it. And that, obviously that face is going to be Wardlow, who could be a great TNT champion. All right, boys, it is on to news of the week for us. Chris, how about you start by letting us know your news of the week? Yeah, so you mentioned this last week on our show that we're primarily going to be discussing AEW, but when there's big things that happen in the industry at large, we'll talk about them as well. And G1 is obviously a big thing. And for me, seeing uh, Okada win his third G1 and poor, beautiful, beautiful Kota Ibushi separate his shoulder and injure himself in that finish. Uh, was the news item for me uh, probably going to lead to Wrestle Kingdom of Okada versus Ibushi uh, first night, second night going against Osprey, and then the third night with Shingo. I'm guessing that's how they're going to do it, but it's an interesting path, and Ibushi's going to be clear. Uh, I believe it was said in two months, so he has the potential still to be at Wrestle Kingdom. So a uh, big mo- moment there. A scary moment as well, because that match wasn't really going to plan anyways. It seemed like that match seemed a little bit off the rails and things seemed a little bit sloppy. And I think even Kevin Kelly tried to cover for it by saying there's times when Ibushi's locked in and there's times when he's not. And he wasn't locked in. And then he does that horrific injury of his shoulder. I thought initially that his wrist was broken or that his hand was broken. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I love how authentic New Japan is by just doing a ref stoppage right there. Yeah, yeah, I thought that it was interesting, and I even thought I thought he just slammed his face on the mat at first, off that Phoenix splash. Like that was the way that he over rotated. It was scary. I mean, the fact that it was only a dislocated shoulder, I think, is somewhat like fortunate for him and for New Japan. But I think you're right in terms of uh, seeing him in in two months. I think it's going to be an interesting way that Okada goes in terms of those three nights and if anybody's going to come back, like I feel like Ibushi is, he kind of has that John Cena gene where if you give him, if you give him a two to three month timetable, he'll be back in a month. Right. And I think that also introduced the storyline of Okada having the old belt too, and bringing that as opposed to the briefcase, as much as we love the new divas championship, uh, I think it does need to go because no one likes it. That's like something that's universally panned that in the wrestling community never gets shit on that collectively. And that title is despised. It was something that was so prestigious looking like the mm-hmm. uh, 10 pounds of gold in NWA or the the big gold belt of WCW. Yeah. It's just something that shouldn't have that standed the test of time and should have never changed. And to, to make it like that diva's belt back in the day, it was just awful it's it's like when okada comes out in pants or cm punk comes out in pants it's just something you don't want to see 
<laughs> exactly. It's uh yeah, it's like, you know, like one of those true classic things like you don't ever want to, like the it's like changing the Yankees uniforms. Like you Keep just got to got exactly. So, um yeah, and it's a shame. I love Shingo. I hate that he's been carrying around that belt instead of the yeah. V4 belt. Yeah, true. Uh, Sean, how about yourself? Um, my news of the week comes, saw this on Reddit, uh, from sportskeeda.com. Bray Wyatt's non-compete ends this week on 1029, which happens to be Friday. And does that make that possible for a last minute Halloween return, uh, or on rampage just right in time for the holidays? We don't know. I don't even know if I want to see it. I just know <laughs> that this has been something that seems like it's been so long. He's kind of sat out for a while. Then he was released in the end of July for really budget cuts. But I mean, if there's anyone who would do a pop-up during around the time of Halloween, I think it's got to be that spooky ass Bray Wyatt. What was Linda this Rotunda, other? I believe now, Linda right? Rotunda, yes. I just think it... It could happen, but I don't know. I, I think impact is more his destiny. And yeah. we'll, we'll actually see where he goes. If only he could come back as Husky Harris. Oh, put all that weight back on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I like what I, you said, too, how you're kind of reticent of him even coming back. I think there's kind of a tone and feel of the uh, IWC of, I don't know if I want to see him in AEW because you just don't trust to see what was his creative output and what was vince's fleet of 50 writers right i you don't know of like god is this going to be hokey is this going to be cheesy because malachi black has a grim gothic gimmick but it's not childish and silly yeah i'm torn on it because i feel like if he goes to impact like i'm not gonna really watch that first of all and second of all i just don't think that they have that same like kind of match quality for me so if I, if I want him to prove if he's good or not, I want him in AEW because that's going to be where I can really tell. I've even thought maybe New Japan, but the character work probably won't be the same at that level. I mean, they do have some good characters in New Japan, but it's just not his promos won't translate very well. So I think that when we look at wanting to assess what is Bray Wyatt's, or, you know, what is Wyndham Rotunda's baby and what was Vince and his 50 writers baby, I think the best way for us to be able to do that is AEW. Do I think that he's what a lot of other people seem to think in terms of how great he is? I'm not convinced, but I just have this feeling that that's, I actually want to see him in AEW just so I can find out for myself in that form. Put up or shut up. Sure. What about you, Alex? What were, what was your news of the week? My news, uh, similar to Chris, I went to new Japan for my news of the week this week. And it's that, it's that Shibata's back, baby. Woo. Yeah. Um, you know, for those who don't know, uh, Shibata got injured, I think, what was that, like six, seven years ago now? Right around the time that we lost Punk, we lost Shibata at uh, after... I think, Dominion. That's, that's right. That sounds about right. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, he had an injury that he actually could have died from during the recovery mm-hmm. and everything like that. Uh, people didn't think that he was ever going to be able to come back and wrestle. A couple of years ago, he came back got in the ring and took a back bump and everyone was just excited to see him do that. And then I think two years ago, uh, he got attacked by Kenta during the G1 and everyone was like, wait, does this mean he's actually planning for a comeback? And then to see 
at the G1 finals, him and Zack Sabre Jr. have a quick five-minute exhibition match. Uh, it was, you know, obviously not a very physical match in terms of striking or anything like that, which uh, that's what you're used to when you see a Shibata match. But to see him just be in the ring and actually doing stuff and the fact that they're taking these steps it tells you that this is probably likely that he's actually going to be getting in the ring next. I know he cut a promo afterwards saying the next time you see him in the ring, it'll be a full match. So I'm super excited for it. Uh, I know there's people that are worried about it from a safety aspect, but I'm going to trust that if he's doing this, if New Japan is allowing him to do this this much, he's got some clearances. And I just hope that he takes the right precautions when he's in the ring, no more headbutting and things like that. But other than that, yeah, that was to me, that was news of the week, news of the month, really, uh, because I think that we didn't really get to see his story end. It turns out time really stands still when Shibata's not wrestling because this only happened in 2017. Wow. Only four years ago in April at Sakura Genesis. It, uh, oh, wow, it was way out. It felt so much longer without him. But yes, I'd love to have him back. Love to hopefully see him get back to some of those ways of the, the strong style that he helped create. But just like Dan, uh, Brian Danielson, you need to just kind of. Uh, is is he actually okay with this or yeah. what? Probably the same doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Uh, I hope he's okay. But it, it, yeah, and him and Zack Sabre Jr. did have a fun, as a goofy exhibition match, whatever that was. They looked good and they looked legit and those holds looked fantastic. I was entertained by it. I thought it was something different and Zack Sabre Jr. is so impressive and was the right person to carry him and go through that. Absolutely. And Zach, if you happen to ever listen to this, I love you. Um, so going on to our cringe of the week. Chris, let yeah, us know what you think. I hope I don't go too long and go off in the hot take territory. But um, <laughs> the mine was the finish of the Cody and Malachi Black match. And let me just go into first by saying I think Cody has an incredible amount of goodwill because he was the catalyst for an alternative product to show up. But it's an alternative, and it's alternative because they brand themselves as listening to their fans, being a face promotion, and being catered towards hardcore wrestling fans and in the internet wrestling community. And you can't have it both ways and just not listen to the fans when they're unbelievably shitting all over you as a baby face that's getting pushed that high. The reaction was unreal and it's just continuing and continuing. And they're resenting the fact that um, he's putting himself seemingly in this position where he thinks his star shines brighter, perhaps than other folks, and that he belongs on such a main stage when reality, he's got a three-star batting average and the fans don't think he's earned that. And certainly in storyline fashion, he hasn't earned it either. And that's what also makes it confusing is nothing really changes with his character. He goes through these struggles, but he's still exactly the same at the end of it. And there's a resentment towards that. There's a resentment towards the fact that he's a host on a shitty game show and on a reality show. It doesn't make him relatable like his dad. And on top of it, you don't know the lines of which he's booking himself or if it's Tony booking or how much power he truly has. And so he's making himself out to be, um, it, which is really bad, like a Jeff Jarrett in the mid-aughts in TNA. And no one wants that. And I think that's why fans are reacting so negatively too, is they don't want to see him go over 
uh, new and interesting young talent such as Malachi Black. There was no need for them to have a third match if it was going to end with this. The whole arc and the whole storyline is him getting fed to Cody, and that's why fans shit on it. Now, at one point, you mentioned it before of like the pedigree. I legitimately thought that's what they were setting up, and I was like, oh, fuck, this is the most meta double turn I've ever seen. It's like, whoa, if they pull this off, that would be incredible, and then they did not go for that at all. It was just Cody wins, and Tony Schiavone's like, hey, what a redemption story. And it completely erases the buildup in the storyline of why was Arnd doing that? Is everything okay all of a sudden with them? Why did the uh, Nightmare Factory slap him in the face and get all shitty towards him at his training facility? It doesn't make any sense and it's unearned. But I was thinking at one point, like, God, were they going to, like, turn all of them heel? And are they, like, as... Brock Anderson going to go all goth and is Arn Anderson going to go all emo and that's going to be like their new look or some shit. Um, anyways, it's just, it was very discouraging that they don't listen and you can't again, have it both ways and say that we listen to our fans and our actions are going to speak differently. The fact that we're uh, not doing the same old standard thing that WWE is doing when he's doing it. Um, so I'm very nervous for what's going to happen with whatever feud is going on with Malachi Black and Andrade and Pac and what that's going to turn into because Pac and Cody as a tag team versus those two doesn't really make sense. And it's unsatisfactory to the storyline they thought they were trying to build. Okay, rant over. Yeah. Let's go in there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think you covered a lot of, of my thoughts on it. You know, him winning, I don't think there's there's a there's a world where him winning makes sense in that match. But I don't think that they did enough. Like so Arn put him through like two weeks of these challenges or whatever. And you would have expected to see like a really like totally different Cody, like just like a crazy violent Cody, like somebody who's unhinged, uh, somebody who's just doing whatever it takes to win. And it felt like it was just like Cody wrestling, but he also did a Tiger Driver 97. Like that was about yeah. all that I felt was different about it. And to me, that's a problem. And then going back to us talking about Mox's promo where, I, you know, we're talking about they're planting the seeds for this heel turn and, you know, it'll be so satisfying when it happens. They've been doing this with Cody since day one. Since day one, he has been this like basically Jeff Jarrett, Triple H type character that just books himself into uh, feuds where he always ends up getting the third, the, winning the third and final match, whether or not he wins one or two. And I just, I don't understand how they haven't pulled the trigger on the heel turn yet because like there was a time where I was buying into the idea of, well, he's basically a heel. He just doesn't know he's a heel. Like he's like a Bo Dallas type of a character. But clearly that's not what they're doing. They no. genuinely are making him still try to be a face. And it just doesn't make sense. The fans boo him. I don't really genuinely like I, I think QT Marshall is about the only person who could face in a feud that people would actually still cheer Cody for at this point. And yeah. they need to sell him. And that's going to be scary too. Like, who do they put them up against that the fans are going to shit all over? And they have to start acknowledging it too. And you can't acknowledge it in the way that Arn has, where it's, they're kind of winking at it, but they're not going all in. Like if he was going up against Punk or MJF right now, he would get filleted on the mic, just absolutely filleted. And oh man, I'm 
so lost in my rage. I just can't. I love to. I was like weightlifting belt is still climbing up on his, you know, back and just nothing's changed at all. Like he just visibly looks the same. He has the same weird entrance. Has anyone ever talked about the fact that like he's the only one that comes through the middle? Like that's so fucking weird. Like he's in his own universe. Yeah, it's it's like, is he the only one like, is he watching a different version of the taping than we are? Yeah. Like, is he watching like someone, uh, one that is in in a universe where everybody loves that? I mean, it's a goofy song. The whole wrestling has more than one royal family. That's the corniest (laughs) intro to a wrestling theme that you can have. And he just it's like he takes himself too seriously at times when he really shouldn't. I enjoy Cody matches a lot of the time, but I only enjoy them from the aspect of like, I like him in the right feuds. I like him when the match makes sense, but overall his matches are so overbooked. I would love to just see a gimmick match where Cody's not allowed to have a manager get like thrown out of the match. That would be, that would be a different take on a Cody match at this point. Yeah, yeah I, he can do the heel character great. Like in New Japan, that character was fantastic. So it's not like he's not a good performer. And again, like, he again, he has so much goodwill because what he helped start and he's going to at the end of this when everyone gets over defecating in their pants about him always winning they're going to he's going to be very beloved and have uh, be thought of highly but as it's going right now it's just at a scary path and i can't wait for him to go over you know Zack Sabre Jr. to come through the forbidden door and he just gets fed to Cody. <laughs> just just watch all of your guys' favorites just go down too. <laughs> Yeah, it worked in New Japan with the, the man, having this heelish manager and heelish style because you're the the foreigner in a new country and you're acting like you're the shit. You have the blonde hair. You're you're extra and over in every single way. But I think you said it best even in the show notes. Um, it was just completely tone deaf and nothing has changed at all in any of Cody's booking style. It's he goes three, four matches with a person, pretty much trades even in and out. And then he loses in grand spectacle and is hurt and down, tries to come back up the ranks again. And we're going to see it again and again and again. And it's just, he's got to go. Yeah. And for his sake, I think it's too late, you know, and and I don't want to get to that point because you can do a fantastic heel turn with him. Again, if he's the person that goes back on his word about I'll never challenge for the title and attacks hangman, that would be a fantastic angle that's going to justify the heat that people have for him. And you can turn something positive in it. And you can also, as a fan, be terrified that he's going to win the title. And there's a lot of anticipation and anxiety in a fun way of what's going to happen with him in the ring. So you hope that it doesn't get to the point where he starts getting go away heat. Yep. And, and I think that I, I saw Malachi black on Instagram had tried to kind of like salvage the whole thing with, I made you turn into what you didn't want to be. And there's, there's two things that I have to say about that. I think that if that was the case, that needs to be a little bit more obvious to the fans that have been watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, I really hope that they acknowledge that if that's the, the, the story they're trying to tell, they need to acknowledge that on the show rather than just on Instagram, because I don't, I don't even have Instagram. I just saw somebody posted it on Reddit. So that'll be, uh, that'll be, it'll be interesting to see it, how they acknowledge it. But my worry is just that they just didn't execute it at the end of the day. And it just, it was annoying to watch that and have that be the final of the show. Yeah, and again, it goes back to the leeway that he gets that other people don't seem to get because he did it with 
Anthony Agogo. They did it with the MJF storyline prematurely in a way too. So there's a lot of things where he feels like he's in his own little bubble and world where he gets these chances that other people don't get. And that's going to build up fan resentment. Um, and it's going to, again, build him to a go away heat, which I don't think is the right type of heat that he wants because they can capitalize the heat that he does have into something really positive down the line. It's, uh, I, Chris, you were fired up for that. Yeah, sorry. Really gave it to um, that was so unnecessary. I love, I no, I love the passion. Uh, Sean, uh, do you have as strong feelings about your cringe of the week? Uh, not as much, not truly as much as that. I mean, it's going to be a lot of weeks where we probably have a 15 minute discussion on the Cody cringe of the week. Um, but mine more came in just something that didn't need to happen. It was the botched moonsault at the end of the, uh, caused the end of the Archer Kingston match. Um, when Lance Archer went up to the top rope and tried to do a backwards moonsault, whatever you call it, landing, spiking his head straight into the mat. And just, you could tell from the instant it was gnarly and he was not doing well with it. But um, luckily, too, if he, like we've heard now that he walked out of the arena or backstage. So it seems to be good, but it's just who knows what that could have been. We've seen plenty of people take neck shots like that. Stone Cold Steve Austin and it changed their career forever. And it's just something you don't you don't need to see. You don't want to see. I know it's part of Archer's style to throw everything in the kitchen sink at you um, in the ring and outside the ring and even to the fans or young boys around the ring. Um, but it's just I don't think we needed it. And it kind of ruined, not ruined, but ended a match that I was really looking forward to and enjoying in the moment too early and what could have been would we should we be seeing archer versus uh brian danison next week who knows so it kind of left some what ifs and just why'd you do it yeah it was uh it was brutal looking and it and it goes back to what chris had just said about uh with new japan when they ended the match with kota abushi and okada having it just be the rest ref stoppage because it was really weird that they just had Kingston, Kingston do roll the roll up just to do the roll up. Like it was just, I don't know. I think when, when he landed on his neck that way, they should have just called it rather than doing that. I, I just thought it was weird. I get that it's live TV. You're not, not sure what to do. Um, but I would have rather just see in that case, there'd be a ref stoppage. Yeah. And you already had that earned already earlier in the show with Danielson choking out gold, uh, Dustin Rhodes and say gold dust, Dustin Rhodes with that. But the worst thing that for, for you as a fan that takes you out of it is going, oh, my God, I'm afraid of the person in real life and I'm afraid of what's happening. And I and you also don't want to think of what are their safety protocols when they get into these types of situations like this? Because with Matt Hardy, they had that awkward moment, too. And you yes. don't want to think that, like, oh, my God, they don't know how to handle this because the wrestlers have so much creative leeway. And it seems like they get to kind of have a little bit more freedom with the lack of micromanagement that Vince has in WWE, which is a good thing. But it goes back to that point of like you get scared for the performer and you get scared for what their protocols are. And you don't want to see someone um, end their career prematurely. Yeah, as soon as um, Alex brought up the ref stoppage in New Japan that you were talking about earlier, it made, immediately made me think about this isn't the first time we've seen this issue happen in uh, all elite wrestling in a short lifespan. Um, this hopefully it just doesn't continue because, yeah, we don't want to see anyone die on live TV or have 
people have another reason to say this is this is garbage wrestling is stupid because we know it's not yeah and, and and ufc has made ref stoppage not be a cowardly thing or it doesn't it doesn't make it an unsatisfactory ending people will spend 80 bucks to watch a ref stoppage so there's not a problem with doing it so it's safe to do you're not going to kill the um credibility of the wrestler and i think the wrestlers themselves have to learn that too there's that infamous story of Daniel Bryan back in the day when he was wrestling against Randy Orton, he had that concussion mid-match and Triple H called it off and stopped it. And he blew up on him backstage because he didn't want to stop. But Triple H was right to stop it because you don't want to worry about the person as a human being and getting taken out of the match and you care about their safety. So I, I, I hope that the wrestlers themselves are policing this a little bit better so we don't see someone fuck up their neck like that again because that was that was brutal like i i literally did watch it before we recorded i had the show on because i missed it the first time around and good god that was nasty and just sad to see it was it was scary and i think if we're going to be you know looking forward to the future like in an, if another thing happens with like this which hopefully it doesn't you know talking about just the ref stoppage stuff we have we have replay. We can go back and see that. Fans are going to see what happened, and they're going to understand. They're not going to be mad at you for cutting a match yeah. when a dude lands on their neck like that. Right, and, it, and we did all see it like happen. You could it was like audibly noticeable in the crowd. Like, oh shit, what did we just see? Just call it there. We there's not going to be a pissant, uh, like angry mob because of it. So, and there's no need to go to Tony Nese either. You don't need to cut away. Yeah. <laughs> also, just super weird. But he gave like a sour face and was like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> not the time. Not the time, Tony. No, not the right timing on that. But Alex, you know, just speaking of Tony Nese, real quick, uh, I actually thought about making that my cringe of the week, just calling him one of the hottest free agents. Uh, like, like the first time that they like do that, like the whole NXT bit, being Tony Nese was just kind of goofy to me. Um, I'm excited to see what he actually does though, just because I haven't really seen much of his work because I don't, I never really watched 205 live. So hopefully he'll end up being a good hand and somebody that can have good matches, be competitive and ultimately make the, the right people look really good. Or maybe he'll be even more of a surprise and, you know, end up being some, somebody like a TNT, uh, title contender. Uh, but my cringe of the week ended up being the powerhouse Hobbs versus orange Cassidy match. Um, I know that there's people that were mad about the fact that Orange Cassidy was dominated throughout the whole match and then won. Yes. I get that. I understand that story. My two issues come in with, I hate the mousetrap as a like finisher or not finisher, I guess a roll up. It looks awful every single time. And then on the other end of it, I'm kind of ready for Orange Cassidy to be not involved in big storylines. I think that they found gold when they when they brought him in, and he was somebody that I wasn't really super excited yeah. for. Even though I thought he was funny on the indies, I didn't think he would translate to television. But what they've done with him since, I understand during the pandemic it made sense, the stuff with Jericho, and, and even I guess I could understand the uh, triple threat title match he was in. But I, I'm not, I don't need to see this much Orange Cassidy. I think that he needs to be kind of brought back down a little bit, maybe, maybe contend for the TNT title. Uh, or just be doing some other type of segments. I'm just I'm ready for him to not be as involved in the main title picture. So overall, I, the match was decent up until the finish, but I hated the finish. 
and ultimately I just, I'm, I'm ready for orange Cassidy to be kind of pushed aside a little bit from this picture. So I would have rather see powerhouse Hobbs, get that win, get that rub. And then he could you to lose in the next round. Yeah. This was a match that I was really looking forward to last week and just seeing that outcome just with a, the mouse trap or yeah it just ruined what was going to be a good match that didn't have the quality of say the Pac andrade match that i called my match of the week um to really come back from it there was no technical wrestling there was no anything it was just some some beef slamming at most which is powerhouse's thought powerhouse slobs powerhouse hobbs (laughs) is uh he's great for some beef slamming but um, we're continuing to just make him lose to these people in kind of jokey ways, or they got out of it because they beat the the big bad monster. Um, and it's kind of hurting Hobbs, I think, because it, there's no no one's doing any favors to uh, Team Taz, and it's just he needs to be a big man that's going to have something big in his future. Yeah, they are doing a lot of those kind of protect guys. Uh, with weird losses type things lately, it feels like. And Hobbs is one of the main ones that they're doing it with. But every time it just, it almost feels so forced that they're trying so hard to protect him that it like does the opposite for me as a viewer. All right, on to the last segment, what we're anticipating for the next week or the weeks coming forward. This one, we all had a little bit different of a, of a thing that we had acknowledged for it. So I'm excited to hear uh, Chris, you know, what is it that you're looking forward to over the next few weeks? I'm a, I'm a fangirl the fuck out until we build towards full gear, man. This is the big show. Wednesday's going to be the, I think, the initiator for what's going to happen with Punk, what's going to happen with maybe Miro, what's going to happen with uh, Malachi Black and Andrade and Pac. So there's a lot of things that are in the hopper that will become clear. And like I stammered over at the beginning of the show, but the times that they've done these Saturday shows, they kind of know that the audience isn't watching and it's not best to drive so hard on, okay, this is what full gear is going to be and promote and promote and promote and go heavy with the show. Uh, They know that the audience is watching Wednesday. That's just my opinion or that's my speculation. So I think Wednesday is going to be the big push so we can finally understand what's happening with uh, some of the other matches that are going to be on the undercard and upper uh, card there because there's a lot of matches to fill. And it felt like the build was not lackluster, but there's been so many big things that have gone on since all out uh, with the author ass show with the anniversary show. So there's so many monsters that they had to feed. So I think now they finally have some breathing room to build momentum to full gear. And I think it's going to be a fantastic show. So I want to see them do something special with hangman and Kenny and have them be physical, have hangman be stoic, have hangman kick some ass and not just be a guy that's struggling with his confidence. Um, allowing him to be himself. Now, they said cowboy shit about 5,000 times in that one promo that he did live, which was a good promo, but I want to see him be physical too because he's um, an amazing wrestler and you want to give him all the momentum that he can get because it feels like he is going to win the title and that there's a fresh slate of matchups with a possible heel Moxley, um, who knows, a heel Cody, uh, and some of the other folks down the line. So you want to see him get as much momentum as possible going into the show because it is going to be a big deal and you hope that they get as much bias as possible. Um, someone you brought up in there early when, um, when we were, you're talking about Wednesday, uh, Miro, uh, I was really 
kind of actually I'm surprised I didn't make it my moment of the week. Uh, his promo this week was stellar too. Um, made me question, do you guys have any ideas of what could be happening in his way? Is he just going to go back to a T- or TNT championship feud with Sammy? Or I was kind of hoping we'd see him in a, the Eliminator tournament, but it just seems like he's not still hitting that um, main title mark yet. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking when it comes to Miro that he will be graduating up to the world title picture. It's weird because they're doing this eliminator tournament. So obviously the next the next contender is kind of already chosen, but I would have almost expected him to pretty much not be on TV for the next few weeks. Hangman wins and then at his coronation ceremony, like the first dynamite after, which I think is that that show is in Virginia where yeah, he's from, I believe, correct? I would have expected him to be having his coronation in front of his hometown. And then Miro comes in and just brutally attacks him. That's kind of what I would have wanted to see. I don't think we'll see that now because of the fact that there's already going to be like that person who's first in line. Um, but I, I don't see him going back to the TNT title. I think that'd be weird at this point. I'd almost like to just see him just start destroying people almost uh, like Lance Archer back when he was in New Japan, like just yeah. just taking <laughs> taking the the jobbers from AEW Dark with him and, and as he goes to the ring, beating the crap out of them. Uh, but yeah, his his promo was great. And I'm hoping that we get to see him in that big title picture soon. Maybe he gets fed big show for the turn for, for, for the show. I mean, that's not the most Ooh. satisfying thing. But maybe that's what they want to do. Because I don't know if you put them with Punk, though. Because you're trying to serve too many monsters with that matchup and pair up. So I don't know if that's the route. Um, and I, my, my guess, too, is like maybe Punk gets Ricky Starks. Should be good. That'd be hot. Yeah, I mean, and, and Ricky can talk, too. And he can he can talk and he can wrestle. So that'd be yeah. a really intriguing match. A great build. Sean, what is your anticipation for the upcoming weeks? My anticipation is the Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston match this Friday on Rampage, a semifinal match of the Eliminator Tournament. Um, I had to find it on Instagram. Um, There was this backstage promo that I think it ended up airing during Roads to the Top. That's nowhere. Awful awful show. (laughs) Um, Thankfully, they had this little gem in there that probably kept a couple people on TNT. Um, it really got me hyped for this match. Uh, other than the fact that him being Brian and Eddie, um, two big names, just take you back to like Chikara days. Um, Brian just really just took it to him, just saying, "Hey, you, you're not putting in the work outside the ring to keep up yeah. with someone like me. You are absolutely talented. You have the biggest heart, and you're tough as hell." but you're just a fucking slob smoking Newports in the back. <laughs> um, and you you don't have enough toughness or anything to beat that American Dragon. So I think it's going to be great. I think we're going to see hopefully a promo from Eddie or something on Wednesday to really just lay the fire up under his ass. Or maybe even we see a backstage brawl because that's how a G do it, you know? I love that promo too. Yeah. I thought that was a fantastic sequence. Yeah, and I think that there's a there's a handful of guys in AEW that are masters at like tearing somebody down while also complimenting how good of a actual threat they are. Uh, there's there's not a lot of like just straight up burials that you see in AEW promos because uh, like I think you know 
Danielson did a really good job. I really struggled with getting that one right that time. Danielson, you did a great, really good job of telling him that he's great, but also why he doesn't measure up to the American Dragon. So moving on to my my anticipation coming up is actually tomorrow's match of Punk versus Bobby Fish. I think that it's a match that is it's not it doesn't have a lot of hype really to it, but. For me, Bobby Fish has been really enjoyable since he's joined AEW. Actually, I wasn't really one that was calling for him to join when he got let go uh, from NXT. I, I honestly, you know, I haven't really seen much of his single stuff. Um, I was a fan back in the Red Dragon days. But to see him come in, have some of the matches he's had, uh, and now he's going to be facing Punk, I think it'll be a really good match. I think seeing Punk for his first match on Dynamite is exciting. Um Overall, I don't think it's going to be a five-star match, but I think it's going to be a really good match to get get Punk going a little bit more. I'm, I'm ready for Punk to start ramping things up and then also get a chance for Bobby to just really shine in, with somebody because uh, so far he's faced, you know, Lee Moriarty. Um, he faced, I think it was Anthony Green last week was who Punk saved. Looked so like seeing, a young buck. <laughs> so seeing yeah. him face somebody who is is legit, I think will just help Bobby Fish get his name uh, a little bit more out there with the fans. Obviously, a lot of the AEW fans are hardcore fans, so they'll know, but the casual audience still probably doesn't really know what to think of him yet. So I'm really looking forward to that match from that aspect. I think they'll be able to do a lot of MMA style, uh, work shoot style, and it'll be an interesting uh, dish in the uh, mix of styles that we have in AEW. Yeah, and plus Bobby Fish kind of looks... That's what I was trying to go. Bobby <laughs> Bobby Fish kind of looks like uh, the mask from V for Vendetta. I just want to put that out there. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The that. And, then, tone. and then Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, Bobby's never really been one to shine outside of a tag team, especially Red Dragon. Um Hopefully he or he can kind of find some a groove to go with because there are maybe a little more people who have a little Muay Thai style or training that they can kind of roll around with and look good. So, and obviously Punk had his little spell in the the octagon that might help him out a bit. I don't know what you're talking about, brother. Uh, <laughs> Mickey Gall, baby. We don't we don't talk about those days. All right. Well, that is all that we've got this week. So uh, just to kind of put a bow on it, um, you know, I think this week was a little bit slow as we talked about at the beginning, but there's still a lot to like. Hopefully we'll get to see a little bit of development into what full gear is going to look like. Uh, and then also just a little bit of development into some of those things that we spent uh, time discussing around like Cody and Malachi Black and kind of just kind of closing the loop on that feud. Um, those are kind of some other things that I'm hoping we get, we get out of this week, but everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, please make sure that you go on and rate us five stars on Apple podcasts, Spotify. I we're on Amazon working on Pandora. For some reason, they take six weeks to approve you. We really appreciate all the support that everyone's given us so far. Um, and the more people listen, uh, the more we get to really put into this. So uh, thank you again. Chris, can you let everyone know where to go to check out our, our other content? Yes, yeah, so if you go to wrestlingelitus.com, 
That is our site. We'll be, we'll be posting columns on a weekly basis. Like Alex mentioned at the header of the show, he wrote a great article on what made him a fan. I also wrote an article on the first initial Hell in a Cell from 1997. And we'll have some more articles coming your way in the next couple of weeks uh, that are going to be really interesting and fun from a flashback uh, standpoint. So go visit us on WrestlingElitist.com. And also, too, when you're reviewing the show on Spotify or iTunes, feel free to ask us a question as well, and we'll bring it up on either the podcast or the website itself. And Alex, hit the music. Hit the music.